Tom, there were all sorts of eye-popping headlines that attracted my attention here this week. On Wednesday, the New York Times had a front-page splash announcing that the east coast of the United States is sinking, which you might think is pretty bad news for the people of Boston, New York, Washington, the Carolinas and Florida. Parts of Maryland are apparently sinking at a rate of 10 centimetres per decade. Long Island is going under at a rate of 3 centimetres per decade, so you've still got enough time to visit the wine country there. Climate change and the ground pumping of water are to blame. And then there was a warning from the United Nations that by 2030, global demand for water will exceed supply by 40%. That's in seven years, so the two men who want to spend just the next four years in the presidency didn't skip a beat reflecting on either matter. And why should they, with so much more important stuff to discuss? I aced both of them, I'm very proud to say, meaning I got it all right, and they're not that easy. Donald Trump on Fox News this week, cognitive tests once again very much at the front of his mind. You know, they, they show you the first ones are pretty easy. And then you get up, you get into the middle category, then you get to the end questions that very few people could answer those questions. They're, very, they're actually tough. very tough. I've seen the test. Sean Hannity of Fox News affirming the former president's brilliance after Donald Trump insisted that President Joe Biden should this week have taken a similar test as part of his routine physical exam. It took place on Wednesday at Walter Reed Army Medical Center just outside Washington. And you might think, given all the evidence in recent weeks to show that the president is not only slowing down down, but has also had a series of embarrassing moments where he's confused Angela Merkel with the late Helmut Kohl and Emmanuel Macron with the long-deceased François Mitterrand, you might think that he would have taken a cognitive test just to put matters to rest. But he didn't, and that left the President's press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, twisting in the White House wind. The President doesn't need a cognitive test. That is not my assessment. That is not my assessment. That is the assessment of the president's doctor. Uh, That is also the assessment of the neurologist. And you've heard us say this, and I'll reiterate this, the president's doctor has said, if you look at what this president, the president who is also the commander-in-chief, he passes a cognitive test every day. A small aside that doesn't really work on radio, but if you want to know when she's feeling really uncomfortable with the spin she's peddling, keep an eye on her eyes. The rapidity with which she blinks is the tell. As he moves from one topic to another topic, understanding the granular level of these topics, this is a very rigorous job, uh, and uh, the president has been able to do to this job every day for the past three years. It is, of course, the next four-year presidential term that voters are worried about. And White House reporters wondered why, if the president really is as healthy as a stallion, had his physician not joined her in the briefing room to update them personally. We're trying to get back to the norm that it was it used to be, where doctors don't come to the briefing room. It is not It is not the norm. It is not. It has happened a couple times over the 35 years, but it's not the norm. Which is a shame, because the physician who was joined at the president's medical appointment by a neurologist, two orthopedists, and a physical therapist could have offered a first-person account of Joe Biden's physical prowess. Instead, we must content ourselves with an upcoming book that claims he recently told aides that the key to the success of the presidential marriage is good sex, to which the entire country collectively replies, Sir, that is too much information. While the White House was dealing with all of this, on the Senate floor... I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. 
Republican leader Senator Mitch McConnell was making some news of his own. At 82, just one year older than President Biden, he is standing down from the leadership and doing so with words that hung thick in Washington's air. Father time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. McConnell was first elected to the Senate in 1984. By then, Joe Biden had already been on Capitol Hill for nearly a decade. When McConnell arrived, the city thought he was to the right of Genghis Khan. Today, he's viewed as a Republican moderate, which is all the evidence you need of how far to the right Donald Trump has dragged his party. The majority of Democrats and Republicans in both houses support this legislation until someone came along and said, don't do that, it'll benefit the incumbent. Joe Biden grousing about the Republican right yesterday in Brownsville, Texas, on the U.S. border with Mexico. He excoriated Donald Trump for torpedoing an agreement the White House had struck with Republicans in Congress to tighten immigration procedures at the border. But the president's belated visit to the area, only his second in the last three years, reflects his new understanding that the country's immigration crisis could cost him re-election. Here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. It's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Like that's going to happen. And he's a terrible president, the worst president our country's ever had, allowing thousands and thousands of people to come in from China, Iran, Yemen, the Congo, Syria, and a lot of other nations, many nations are not very friendly to us. Donald Trump also in Texas yesterday on the banks of the Rio Grande, reflecting on the fact that the immigration issue is not any longer only about people from Latin America crossing the southern border into the United States. And once again using increasingly inflammatory language about migrants that is now a hallmark of his bid to return to the Oval Office. The United States is being overrun by the... Biden migrant crime. It's a new form of uh, vicious violation to our country. Every time you hear the term migrant crime, you know where that comes from, allowing thousands and thousands and actually millions and millions of people to come. Immigrants, he said again yesterday, are poisoning America. Shameful, given the fact that his own grandfather was German and came here as a 16-year-old barber's apprentice and his wife, former First Lady Melania Trump, migrated here herself under somewhat murky circumstances from Slovenia. In contrast to everything that has gone before, let's end this week with a moment of absolutely unadulterated joy. And for that, we must travel to the Bronx and meet a 93-year-old woman by the name of Ruth Gottesman. When I was about nine, World War II began, and there was a service that was started by my aunt who would find families who might take in children. So at nine years old, into our family came a little girl from Berlin. She was just my age. She never said goodbye to her parents. She didn't know whether they would be alive after the war or not. So that began a process of 
seeing others and kind of feeling their pain. Well, this week, Ruth Gottesman herself alleviated pain for thousands of families struggling to pay the exorbitant costs of medical school here. She serves on the board of the Alfred Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, and having inherited an enormous amount of money from her late husband, a very successful businessman, she made a surprise announcement to the students there. I'm happy to share with you that starting in August this year, the Albert Einstein College of Medicine will be tuition-free. They had, as you can hear, no idea it was coming. A $1 billion gift to spare families from hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. And reminding us once again, Tom, that sometimes in America, it's the people, not the politicians, who provide the hope.